All right. Thank you for joining us today for the Crossroads Baptist Church Radio Broadcast Ministry. Uh, we have a special treat for you today. We have um, Mr. Stephen Weyerman down from Michigan. He uh, serves in many different capacities in his church. And uh, he and I in the past have preached together several times. And uh, this time we're actually going to preach one message together, sharing the points. It'll be uh, quite the experience, I, I'll bet. And so, um, Lord willing, to be a blessing to you. And uh, that's what we strive for, is to get the Word of God to the hearers, and that it be a blessing, and it change lives. So let's pray, and then we'll dive right into the lesson from the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word, and that we can study it freely. Lord, we love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Brother Steve. All right, our text is from 1 Samuel chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the word of Samuel came out to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp... The elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So today we're going to look at the ark, um, and specifically that the Israelites here had obviously failed. They had lost 4,000 men in that first battle, and they immediately went to the ark as their solution. Um, and so obviously that was a, it was a, the wrong thing for them to choose. Uh, they put the importance on the Ark of God rather than God himself, um, made it more of an idol rather than um, just a tool. And their solution was also the wrong time. Uh, it wasn't something that uh, they had before they started. They didn't seek God when the, uh, before they went into battle. You would think that they would have learned um, from the battle of Ai in Jericho. Right, so right after Jericho, they had that great victorious battle, and then they went into Ai. Uh, obviously, they had sin in the camp, but they also did not seek God's will or face concerning um, what they should do. And so they looked for an answer after they had already failed. Um, so they had the wrong thing as a solution. The wrong time was the solution. Um, some choices that they could have made that would have been good. Um, prayer, uh, just like the battle of Ai. Uh, when they didn't go to, to God in prayer, they failed. But when they went to prayer for Jericho, the answer didn't make sense, but that's what worked. Um, they could have sought godly counsel. Now, why didn't they ask Samuel? Sa- Samuel was there. Um, you can see that in verse 1. But instead, they chose to rely on their own knowledge, their own strength. Um, they could have consulted scripture, looked at, looked at the law of Moses in the past, and tried to uh, learn from their previous mistakes. But what about us? Uh, what are our solutions in life? Where do we, where do we look for solutions? Uh, do we look to our friends, Facebook, uh, romance books? Uh, do we ignore the problem altogether? Um, do, we look, do we look in the bottom of a bottle? Uh, and then when is our timing? Do we only call on God when we're in trouble? Uh, do after we failed or do we, do we proactively look for him? Some good choices that we can make just like the Israelites could have made, uh, prayer. Uh, James 1.5, the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If we look at context, that's specifically talking about temptation. And so we can ask prayer. Uh, we can ask for godly counsel. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Proverbs 12.15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. 
Proverbs 19, 20 through 21, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the later end. Uh, there are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. And so we could have, we can seek godly counsel rather than trying to rely on our own strength. And obviously we can consult scripture. Just like the Israelites should have went back and looked at their past, we can look at uh, what God has allowed us to, to read in our own language. Uh, Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, this, is the book of, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. All right. Now, if we continue on in the chapter, First uh, Samuel chapter 4 and verse number 4, uh, the Bible says, So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring forth uh, from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. So what a what an amazing situation here where the Bible says the earth rang again. These people were shouting for joy. They were all excited because the ark has come into the camp. Now, it's good to be excited about the things of God instead of the things of the world. And I guess the question we should all ask ourselves sometimes is what gets me excited? What am I excited about? Am I excited, am I excited about church or am I excited about lunch after church? Am I excited about doing my devotions or watching TV? What things excite us? And then also we've got to remember that excitement in and of itself, doesn't guarantee that there's a movement of God. There's a whole lot of excitement in this world that has nothing to do with God. Some of it even happens in churches. There's a lot of situations religiously that that there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of energy, but God's nowhere near it because it's not true worship as the Bible says. Let's take a look in 1 Kings chapter number 18 and verse number 25, the the famous showdown on the mountain here, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 25, the Bible says, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner, uh, after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Now we know the story. Elijah would go on and pray a simple prayer, and God would answer and prove that he was the true God. But here we see all these religious people, all these priests of Baal, they're crying out and they're jumping on the altar and they're cutting themselves and doing all these things. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of activity, but there's no God. And so we got to make sure that we uh, don't confuse the two in our lives. Just because there's a lot of excitement with something doesn't mean that God is in it. And it is important to remember, what is it that it gets me excited? Am I excited about the things of God or the things of the world? So next we want to talk about the misunderstanding of the ark by the Philistines. Verse number six says, And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is coming to the camp. 
And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not seen such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Notice that the um, the Philistines really didn't have a good understanding of what just happened. The ark came into the camp, but immediately they said God came into the camp. And then more later on, they said gods came into the camp. Uh, these are the gods that uh, did the things in the wilderness. They didn't, they didn't really understand, and they had a misunderstanding. But so often, um, the world can be like this when it comes to creation. If, you know, if you, they think, well, God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, that's, that's just not possible. Well, there's because there's a misunderstanding when it comes to the actual creation process and understanding the, um, the actual scriptures. Um, when, if they study it out and understand these things, it's, it's not confusing. What about drinking? So often, um, the Christians themselves get confused on drinking because of how it's portrayed to, to the world. Judging, the world will automatically think, well, you're a Christian, you can't judge somebody. Well, the Bible tells us to judge, to make good judgments about character. Um, so why was the misunderstanding? And that's because of the rep- misrepresentation. The Israelites misrepresented God. They had obviously not proclaimed God um, who he was enough. Uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the question is, how do you represent God? Do you make God whatever you want him to be? A God that can fit in your pocket? Or do you represent him how he really is? 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have to understand that we have a job as ambassadors to represent Christ in a correct way. Uh, so the world doesn't get the the misunderstanding based on our misrepresentation. We have a job to be ambassadors for him based on his scripture and who he actually is, based on his real character, not what we want him to be. There's a big difference there. That's right. That's right. And then if we continue on to verse number nine in our passage here in First Samuel chapter 4, the Bible says, Be strong, and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, of course this is the enemy army speaking here, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter for their fellow of Israel, 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Now, For time's sake, we won't read the rest of the passage, but if you were to read the rest of the passage, you'll see not only are there 30,000 dead, not only are these two priests killed, and not only is the ark the very place where God said that he would meet with Israel, not only has that all happened and that ark has been stolen, if you were to read the rest of the passage, you would see that the people of Israel have so attached God to this fancy wooden box that they are devastated by its capture not remembering that God doesn't live in a box. God led Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob without the ark. He brought the plagues upon Egypt and saved Israel without the ark. He parted the Red Sea without the ark. He saved Israel from enemies, made food rain from heaven, water spring from stone, and so much more, all without the ark of the covenant. 
Yet now Israel is so concerned with this ark that they forget that God is bigger than the box. You can't put God in a box. And Mr. Stephen, in his point earlier, said something about you know asking if if your God, if your relationship with God is that you just have this little God that you put in your pocket. There's a lot of people that are that way. God is only around when I need him. I only think about God when I need him. And here Israel forgets that God is bigger than that. God is not something that can be stolen from us. God is not something that we can take away. Now, we as modern American Christians, I believe we have the same problem sometimes of equating God with a physical thing and not remembering and not separating out God for who he is. We identify God with church buildings or with pastors or, or even political parties sometimes, and we forget that God is bigger than any of those things. Nations rise and nations fall, but God stays on the throne. Pastors live and pastors die, but God stays on the throne. Elections, wars, disasters, they all come and go, but none of those things mean that God is gone. There's still a God in America today who wants his people to be more concerned with his will than their own, with his word than the politician's word, with his gospel than with fear. Israel turned to the ark instead of the God of the ark. And today, many Christians, we fail to have the personal walk with God that we absolutely need because as long as I go to church, as long as I pay my tithes, as long as I support the right things and do the right things, God will be pleased with me. God's not pleased with that. God is pleased when his children obey him. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Israel here messed up. They were so focused on the ark. In fact, we didn't read it for time's sake, but we'll go back and at least read the last verse of the chapter. The last verse of the chapter 4 of 1 Samuel says in verse 22, And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. They were so mixed up in their priorities that they thought that the glory had departed from Israel just because the ark was gone. If they had focused on God instead of the ark, on the spiritual instead of the physical, on the creator rather than the creation, they would have realized that the glory had not departed from Israel. The Israelites messed up. They took something that God gave them to be closer to him and turned it into an idol. What is the idol in your life?